It's time for Talking Pictures Trivia. A quick friendly reminder, in general, hyperlinks only need a single click. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Um... And Andy. Thanks for joining us. You may remember Andy from our Ex Machina Coming to America and Coming to America episodes. Andy still conveniently likes movies. For those joining still us do. for the first, yes, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you, you come to the right place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, and in round two, each question is worth two points. Then, once the fierce competition is over, we follow it up with our famous movie rant where anything goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Today we are going back to 2016. The Chicago Cubs win the World Series, their first since 1908. Donald Trump was elected the 45th President of the United States, and the Summer Olympics are held in Rio de Janeiro. This is when Morton Hilden's movie Passengers was released in theaters alongside Manchester by the Sea, Sing, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, La La Land, and M. Night Shyamalan's Split. So this movie Passengers is about a sometime in the future, it's a sci-fi movie, and we're on a spaceship and we're going to a new world. There's a new world that's that's being colonized. And a bunch of people from Earth have signed up to go on this 120 year journey to become colonists on this new planet. They are put in hibernation so that they don't age as as a consequence of the journey and are able to get there relatively the same age. Meteor hits and the character of Jim, played by Chris Pat, is woken up and there is no way to get back into hibernation. He spends about a year walking around, getting drunk, not wearing pants, growing out his beard. And over time, he falls in love with somebody named Aurora, a, a woman played by Jennifer Lawrence, who he sees in, a, in one of these pods. Um, and he decides he's going to wake her up, dooming her to death on this ship since they've both woken up early now and have 90 years to go until they reach this this planet. Um, But he's lonely. So he wakes her up and they begin a relationship despite the fact that there's this secret between them. Nick, if you had one word to describe passengers, what would it be? Journey. Andy? Homestead. And my word would be redemption. It's time for question one. What is the name of the spaceship? Andy looks like he's locked in. He's used the thumb up method. I'm going to go with the traditional locked in. Ah. Locked in. Oh, very good. I, I, we, we have a traditionalist and a, and a, a locked in progressive is what I'm going to call <laughs> Nick. So Andy, since he locked in first, what? Oh, uh, excuse me. And uh, Nick, since you locked in last, what is your answer? This is a guess. The Venturer. Okay. Andy, what 
Its its name is the Avalon. Very good, and that is a point for Andy. Yes, it is. Now yes, it is. Yeah, I thought Sounds... that would be a good question. It's obvious, yep. but also easy to forget. Yes. Um, yeah. So I brought up this question because I wanted to start with a discussion of kind of the setting, uh, where we are, um, what it means, why it has that name even. Uh, and and so let's go. Let's go for it. What did you guys think of the, the setting and the circumstance? I thought they do a really good job of portraying um, how deeply isolating being in the middle of interstellar space would be. I mean, they're with people. There's 5,000 people, although it's really lonely because all those people are sleeping. So this like uh, juxtaposition of all this luxury and all this space on the on a quite a big ship, but yet isolated uh, without other companionship and isolated from the rest of humanity, especially when um, he goes to make the emergency phone call back to the homestead company and it's like a 35 year round trip for the call yeah yeah exactly what what is interesting about it is it's like he showed up like 90 years before the cruise ship party began it's actually more 90 plus years because they only are supposed to wake up four months before they get to their homestead two destination hopefully that wasn't a question um but he's there like 90 years before it so, I mean, it's, it's like the dinosaurs roaming the earth versus the entry of humanity, you know? And in general, the reason I would have watched this movie, that's why I wasn't sure if I saw it in the theaters or at home, is I always find it interesting when a film has a limited cast, but it's a full feature length hmm. film, to see if that movie can carry the story or if the, or if the actors or the characters can carry the story. And I will say that I do think that happened here. In fact, if I, even though Jennifer Lawrence was the, the top title, uh, I actually think Chris Pratt really did carry this film. I know we're introduced to him earlier and we travel with him longer, but I do think that he was the stronger character and role. And again, Tom's word is redemption. He had the biggest arc which is not hard when we're comparing only like what two major people. I mean, yes, we had a few others introduced, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, it is a, I, I think this is my reading of it. And this was what I put in my notes was it, it's a redemption story and it's his redemption story. She has nothing to be redeemed from, you know? So um, that's why he has this kind of larger arc and this, this development. Um, his kind of moral guilt is something he has to, to, Get over. Unfortunately, the movie provides him with a, a set of scenarios in which he can prove his value and, you know, seek uh, seek reconciliation. Um, but you know that that was my reading of this. That this is essentially a movie about sin and forgiveness. Her arc was more about um, finding someone and being happy, where she was always searching and hunting for something else. Mm -hmm. They they bring that up a bit in the film. It's it's smaller than uh, James Chris Pratt's character's arc, of course, but there is at least some character, I don't want to say development, but motivation. Yeah, yeah, it's there. Uh, it's, it's limited, it's limited. It's, it it yeah. seems to be kind of shoehorned in in order to explain the, to explain in the end how quote unquote lucky they are. 
because without this circumstance, they never would have met because she's from a very different world than, than he is. You know, but also her ability for the forgiveness part of the redemption, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, yeah. So she has the human touch to, to forgive him or let him back in. Um, and that, that is played up with that video we see of her, her friends, former friends, dead friends, um, who uh, are saying, like, I hope you find somebody. I hope you let them in. Um, I, I, I kind of found that a little shoehorn because she sees... It is. She seems before she even knows he's he's done this thing. She's perfectly open to, you know. She seems perfectly lovely. I, she doesn't seem like this kind of icy character who keeps people away. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. She's just always searching. Yeah, yeah. Which the, you know they they played up too. There's a lot of like uh, Moby Dick, not references, but parallels. She's always looking for that big thing to make because I, I think her father was a very successful writer mm-hmm. too. So she's looking to really make a dent in society and history where now she realized what's really important at the end of this. Yeah. That's the that's what the movie's telling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Gives up some of her wanderlust. Yes, yeah. and they, even at the end, they say like something corny, like "What a life it is," or you know, "This is the life," yeah. or you know, <laughs> yeah. something, something life-based. Like you know, yeah. <laughs> and it, it gets back to I think the the character of the ship too. The ship is um, the ship is named for Avalon, the the island where King Arthur goes to finally retire to end all adventures. Right, this is where he gets mm. the sword of Excalibur, and Avalon is like the, that place. It's the veil in the mist. That's also an island. It's also isolated and, and cut off from everything. And this is where the adventurer can stop. Interesting. I'm glad Tom's the expert on oh, this film yeah. because I did not <laughs> really make that connection. I was thinking last night when they said the, the name of the ship, I was thinking about the Jersey Shore. Uh, Avalon, but <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought no, there's, okay. probably a, there's probably a reason they named it that and it probably has some more significance than just sounding like a nice name. So mm-hmm. thank you for and that. the Jersey Shore? Oh, no problem. Yeah, yeah I think the, the, the designer was from from, from Jersey. He, he was <laughs> yeah, scum. Yeah. So that's <laughs> <laughs> it's time for question two. Jim and Aurora fall in love via montage. What three activities captured in the montage guarantee they will go on a date and in fact, fall in love? So it's the three activities only in the montage. They do more than that, obviously. If we don't get all three, can we, whoever gets the most? Whoever gets the most, yeah. Okay. Locked in. All right, that was a confident locked in. And an innovative one too. I got the two of the three, I just need a moment here. Okay, I'm gonna have to lock in just to keep this thing going. All right, I'm sorry, Nick. You locked in second. Well, I have two I'm very confident. One was basketball and one was like this dancing simulation game. And I believe the other one was they ate together. All right, Andy, what do you have? I I agree that... um... They, uh, they have some, some nice uh, brinksmanship on the basketball court and a uh, nice little couple dance off in the um, kind of dance simulation. And they, they go to the movies and throw popcorn at each other. And the point goes to Andy. Yes, it was the Didn't movies. Didn't they only do that once though? 
It was yeah. in the montage. Yes, it was. Yeah, it's you things in the right. montage. They eat outside the montage. Once we've yes. established yes. They're, they're a good couple, they now can eat. And, have and she gets the fancy food for him. She yes, does. Yeah, yeah this, this is pre-montage. Fancy food is pre-montage. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. he gets the fancy food for her, that's post-montage. Got it. Got it. I really realized uh, <laughs> last night watching um, the, that montage and thinking, Wow, this is just all of their predates, basically. Like I get <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a so I wrote this question up to talk about them and their relationship. I will say I found that the the various montages a bit frustrating. Like you, you kind of want the meet cute, right? In in a in a movie, if it has that kind of romantic element. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or you want to see the, I guess we see the meet and, and that scene is, is scripted and flushed out and whatnot. Um, but you know, there's a lot of um, <laughs> condensed, uh, condensed time in this movie that's kind of Rocky IV reminiscent, uh, <laughs> which uh, it's a comparison I didn't expect to make on on, on this <laughs> show. But regardless, uh, what do you guys think of them as a couple or those performers? I thought that to, the the actors together had a good bit of chemistry. I, I actually thought that. Um, in rewatching the movie, some of the, I generally liked the acting. I thought it was, I thought, it, and there's a lot of funny parts to the movie and, and it's, yeah, it's well acted in general, but I don't know if it's the directing or what they were trying to do, but some of it was like overly formal almost like the, some of the, 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 the lines. And I, I don't know if they were trying to uh, show like a ju- juxtaposition between them being uncomfortable with each other and being and him also having this like really terrible uh, moral quandary of he knows he just did this thing and yet he has to interact with her and he really likes her. Um, but then when they're together and the, and the actor's chemistry plays against each other, they slip into a much more comfortable uh, role with each other and the dialogue becomes much more kind of fluid and, and fun and they're, and uh, it's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit more bouncy. So I, I, I like the parts where they're in the relationship together uh, the most because they're just kind of joking around and, and it's, it seem, seems natural, you know? So I mentioned this earlier. I definitely lean in the direction of thinking Chris Pratt's character was more interesting. I did not mind, nor did I think Jennifer Lawrence did a bad job. I think she was good. But I don't know if it was just because she came off a period of being very hot and in like every single movie, I was a little tired of her <laughs> in this movie and I don't think she did a, uh, a bad job at all, but I think they probably could have substituted her for someone else more than they could have substituted Chris Pratt for playing his character. That's just my opinion. I don't know why. And I think it was just because she was in like everything. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, maybe I just have a bias there, but I think he really shined bright in his character more than her but she did an acceptable job. Yeah, I, I like them. They're a good comedy pair. They're a good romantic yeah. comedy pair. Yeah. I wanted to see like the Billy Crystal version of this. The, the problem with the moral quandary is there's so many escapes from it. And the, the depth that it proposes to bring to the relationship doesn't really work as well for me because there is really no irony in that in that kind of moral quandary. It's, um, we saw one movie we did earlier was Solaris, which has a similar thing. It's a small science fiction movie. 
where a guy brings back his, his dead wife. And there's all of these problems that, that the two of them encounter, or this, this man encounters, because it's this woman's like a copy, and is it his memory, or is it really her? You know, there's all of these kind of irons that are embedded into the experience. And really, like, none of that is, is here, exactly. It's just a beautiful, wonderful relationship that's somewhat inhibited by this sin. And, you know, once he's gotten rid of the sin, it, it returns again. They return again to the garden. They literally build back the, you know, this is like <laughs> Edonic ending where they have, you know, yeah. they have this, this beautiful garden. Um, and so I really had wished for the, like the, the romantic comedy version of this, or maybe the Robertson Caruso uh, version of this, where instead of uh, Robinson and Friday, we have, you know, uh, uh, Chris Pat and Jennifer Lawrence, you know, romanticizing each other. Just to go back to my prior comment about how I had Jennifer Lawrence fatigue, I was just looking something up during 2015 and 2016. This movie came in, out in 2016. She was the highest paid actress in the world with her films grossing over $5.5 billion worldwide. And she's cited as the most successful actress of her generation. <laughs> so I Whoa. think she just was in a ton of stuff during that time period. And I was just like, okay, you're doing a good job here, but can we throw someone else in there? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, Again, I, I don't want that. I don't want to. Yeah, it's not a reflection of her, her, but yeah, there's a, there's a context yeah. in which you watch something. Yeah. And I, I get that. Yeah. You get a little tired yeah. of, you know, I think that's what happened to poor Johnny Depp was, you know, he he, he became the, the most um, sought after guy. And it got, got you know, after like Pirates 84 or whatever it is. It's <laughs> yeah. a little tiring. Yeah. Um, but what did you guys think of the moving beyond that, the, the way the film dealt with the romance or the chemistry of them. Even when we're talking about how it was like sped up, they kind of had to do that to get to other points of the plot. Mm-hmm. And they continued with that feeling, not just through the romance, but even into the action sequences at the end, there's big time gaps that we just assume happen. And I'm actually okay with that to get the story out. It still was a runtime of Gosh, I was going to say just shy of two hours. Let me see here. It was a run to, yeah, an hour, one hour and 56 minutes. So I have a feeling they even had more that ended up on the cutting room floor. What, what moved quickly in the montage or montages? Um, I guess their, their romance really had that one main one at the beginning. And what they you know, delved into in the different individual scenes, it felt pretty reasonable to me. I, sometimes that stuff happens and you're like, Okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, they everything happened, and now they have a relationship. Okay, um, and it doesn't feel uh, you. You don't get carried along the ride with them, and you arrive at the other side, and somehow they have a relationship, and you don't feel like it. Seems like it came out of nowhere a little bit, even though they showed you the vignettes of it. I didn't feel that way in this case. It felt it felt a little bit natural. What about the line where there's no secrets between them? with their android <laughs> bartender. I, you know, in all of the times I've seen it, that's one thing I never realized before that he told oh, him to share the secret. I did. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I couldn't believe that I didn't notice that before. And because before I just thought, oh yeah, whatever, it's a robot and the robot doesn't get it. And, you know, he's, he's a very personable robot, but 
Okay, and he spilled he spilled the beans. Like, okay, uh, yeah, computers are dumb. But actually, it's better than that because he would have kept a secret. And he there's there's enough of kind of eye contact going on there that he says, oh, oh, you, there are no secrets now. I get it. And it, it's like this was a such a hot topic conversation for so long um, with Jim that it was like obviously he would start talking about it once he was given the green light kind of. So it's really all Jim's fault. And it, oh, it, it is. It, 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 it amps it up even more. Yeah. Because even though he is very charismatic as an Android bartender, he still follows logic. And by Jim saying there's no secrets, even though it was really just a passing thought, he computed it as everything's fair game. Yeah. Yeah. And also Michael Sheen is wonderful. Yes, he was very good. He's yep. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's very funny in this. I, I think my favorite, one of my favorite moments, I think the moment that made me laugh more than anything is when Chris Pratt's character built, has that little, um, it looks like a cleaning robot, but it goes over to ask Jennifer Lawrence's character on a date. And it yes. just moves past, um, it moves past uh, uh, Michael Sheen. And you just see Michael Sheen's face in the camera and he's just looking curiously at the robot. That cracked me up. Policy, I don't know your why. Glass, probably. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he is a, he's a delightful actor. I, I refer to yeah. him as everybody's favorite Cheshire Cat. That's yeah, he does play a lot of different parts. No, I was just saying when you have three main characters that we all felt did a very good job, you know, it's, it's a positive for the movie. Yeah, yeah. They, they better be charismatic if you're just going to bank on mostly three actors. Yeah, and I, pulling the weight. I, I will say I, I thought the chemistry was very strong between them. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I did too. Mine was just general yeah, you're just fatigue, fatigue you know, when yeah. everything for the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. She was in a ton of movies in 15 and 16, even before I read that. Like, I just remember yeah. during that time period. Yeah. I think I, Hunger Games was 2012, and then they had their million sequels, which led right into this. Yeah, I haven't, I, I wasn't as fatigued because I haven't seen Hunger Games. The the Hunger catch, Games. catch the J or whatever, Arrow <laughs> Girl, too. Yeah. Mocking J. I generally J. like her a lot, so I, I wasn't, she was in a lot of stuff, but I wasn't, um, that didn't translate into fatigue for me. Again, it's not dislike, it's just, I remember during that period, I'm like, okay, she's yeah. another one. <laughs> I, I tend not to like the new X-Men movies, but I don't blame that on her. They're just yeah, yeah. not very good. Yeah. The um, one interesting part about their uh, relationship development is that this is a particular category of movie, which I generally have a big problem with, but this is one of the better versions of it. And it's uh, a movie where the main relationship is predicated on a huge lie. Mm -hmm. And because I have you as a as the person watching this movie, you're in on the secret and you spend the whole time having the 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 acid burn of that moral guilt, I feel like going on the whole time. And uh, and you obviously like part of the climax is going to be about the revelation and how it destroys their relationship and the trust and, and then they have to make their way back. So it's it's like a it's a cliched kind of pattern, but um, I find it really hard because. Uh, you, you the, just the lie is sitting there tainting like poisoning everything and poisoning the whole relationship but in this case it didn't present as much of an obstacle I mean it's a huge issue uh and and thinking about through the implications of 
why he did it, if, how much it was okay or not okay, obviously very much not okay, but he was in a dark place and they go into it a little bit, but they managed to make it not as poisoning uh, as some other instances of this kind of pattern in other movies. And I, and I liked, I like how it, it can be a little subtle that it, there's, there's more gray area in like the, the moral quandary maybe. Without going into it in great detail, I would agree with you because we have seen this before, but even how they play out the hiding of the lie, the reveal of the lie and overcoming the lie. I did enjoy that in this film. And that's why even when I rewatched it, I was looking forward to it just to see exactly how they did it a little differently. Yeah. There's almost a tendency in some of these movies to to want to watch the first half of the movie. And then just stop watching before the before the event, basically. Yeah, I agree with you. And I even yeah. liked. And listen, I'm not the like uh, like the sappy love story guy, uh, but even the way it concluded, I was very happy with the whole arc, even into the finish. So well, I, mean, I don't want to go into that too much because we might be exploring those parts of the movie in round two. But I I did have a good feeling about the general flow of this film. At the end of round one. Andy is in the lead with two points, and Nick is here with us today. Hi, yes, I Nick. Am. There's always round two. <laughs> There's always round two, and I have faith in my good friend. We'll take a break right now. See you in a moment. This is a paid advertisement for Crystal Windshield Designs. We all make our morning commute, and it is boring. You've probably have spent years seeing the same scenery, the same trees, the same buildings, the same stoplights. You love your job, but variety is the spice of life and this drive just isn't cutting it. That's where Crystal Windshield Designs comes in. Crystal Windshield Designs paints the inside of your windshield to make your commute crystal. Want to see a beautiful rainbow sprouting from your steering wheel beside a glowing image of marigolds and leaping puppies radiating with the light of a thousand LEDs? Crystal Windshield Designs can make it happen. Don't look at that boring old traffic light. Look at a blindingly beautiful image of a unicorn drinking from a bubbling brook, now with an actual bubbling sound, 100 decibels or louder. Or enjoy the movie option a design feature that projects movies right onto the inside of the driver's side windshield so that you can indulge cinema's classics before having to indulge the boss. The inside of your car will be so different from the outside, you'll barely notice you're even driving. Crystal Windshield Designs. Who says keep your eyes on the road? And we're back. Andy, we're at the critical part of our episode where we ask the guests a key question. If you could watch Passengers with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, let's say Carl Sagan. So Carl Sagan was, um, was a scientist and astronomer and an author and an all-around uh, kind of futurist and uh, space enthusiast. He wrote Contact. Um, and so he was. Very... Uh, that's why it sounded familiar. <laughs> we oh, watched yeah, that yeah. in a prior show that never aired, right? We never watched mm-hmm. it on this one, Tom. No. Yeah, we didn't watch it. On Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he seems like a fun guy. He would be interested in the romantic comedy part probably um, in, in itself, but just the, uh, the further implications of the interstellar colonization and the way that the ship worked and he would he would he would nerd out on that aspect and uh, and we would have fun on on both levels. Do you think he would agree with the portrayal or th- think it was fantastical, like not realistic? Where does he land? Good question. And I, I'm a space enthusiast myself, like uh, current space stuff with uh, with SpaceX and and kind of like the new space companies. Um, space race. <laughs> exactly. And I I really I'm really interested in it. I'm glad to be able to witness it. Uh, as it's unfolding and one thing I really like about this movie is that I'm also an engineer so from a from an engineering perspective and kind of like a space nerd perspective I found it completely plausible like I don't I honestly don't know of any part of the movie that I thought was just um, like a huge plot hole in that just stuff doesn't work like that I mean it's it's a tricky thing to deal with in that nobody is awake and that there was no facility for emergencies. The fact that they said that the um, the uh, the hibernation pods like have never failed and all the they can fail voyages. <laughs> that may be true, and they would still have a backup. There's got to be some like way to do pull some emergency lever and have something happen. That was the only part of it, and and that's they needed that linchpin to make the movie work. But you know, especially since they have backup parts of the backup parts. Like yeah. everything else is well stocked and ready to go, but you wake up, you screwed. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's also, you sort of need that for this plot. If the plot is exactly. I, I was thinking maybe the meteor can like may have hit the backup room and just destroyed everything that could have just, right. just solved it. But you know, it, it would have, it would have resulted in the same thing. I, I read an interview with the screenwriter and apparently they spent a lot of time trying to get a more, I think the model was interstellar and they tried to make it more realistic than interstellar. Uh, another yeah. former episode we had. Um, and so there was a lot of like, it, it would take this long to get there. Um, the, the system they went to, uh, which, which I won't name because it might be a question. Um, you know, it's, actually, <laughs> it's actually a, uh, it, it's a bonus question. So I think we'll be, be okay. Uh, sorry, <laughs> yeah, unless Nick. I really go on a roll. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that system was actually a, a decent within a kind of realm. Um, and also apparently the, the engineering of the ship, the design of it was, was supposed to create that kind of uh, uh, centrifugal gravity. And they just right. took that and spread that out so that it, it, had, a, it had more length to it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it seemed like the, there was care taken in, in, that, in that regard. It's time for question three. What is the first ship error Jim notices beside his pod? Major or minor? Pretty minor. I'll give you that. Okay. Okay. Locked in. Also locked in. All right, Nick, you go first. When he was in his bedroom, there was some kind of like glitch within the screen. And I just realized another one and I already locked in though. Darn it. I think I remembered one that was sooner, but I, I already locked in. So it's going to be the glitch on the screen in his bedroom, but I'm regretting it because I think I may have just remembered one sooner. I believe that was a little further on in the malfunctions and that the, uh, the earliest malfunction I can think of was one of the little uh, Roomba robots. Yep. 
like repeatedly running running yeah. into the the door jam uh kind of like <sighs> on repeat <laughs> oh no points oh Ooh, there was one earlier than the Roomba I, I went okay because that's what I thought tricky. I was tricky yeah that's there was one, one I thought okay there, the elevator there's two the elevator. elevator scenes there's one elevator scene where he gets really locked the major there. one that I yeah. was later um but there's er, very early on he gets off and the elevator kind of sparkles a little bit and the door doesn't quite close and he looks at it and then just moves on but that is oh, a little so before the room nice yeah oh and that's an interesting <laughs> one because the 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 number and severity of the problems on the ship um, I was paying close attention to uh, during the rewatch because the moral issue of him waking her up, I was just thinking through some kind of fantastical, like headcanon type. <laughs> I know you guys love that. <laughs> We're familiar um, with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a term that my headcanon was that, uh, not to get, get into it too much, but that if obviously he woke her up for all the wrong reasons, right? If we're going by motivations, it entirely, I mean, they were, they were selfish motivations. He wanted companionship. Companionship, basically. yeah, exactly. Yeah. He tried to talk himself out of it. He knew it was wrong. But if he had not woken her up, then relatively short term after that, he would have ethically probably needed to start waking up a bunch of people. Because if he couldn't wake up the crew, like once he realized how much was going wrong with the ship, the answer is everybody is going to die unless we figure this out. And I've tried everything I can think of. So wake up all of the smart people I can think of to try to help problem solve this because the ship is falling apart. Uh, and, and that was like not that wouldn't have been really that long after he he made his uh, the kind of the original sin that he did, which still is there because he uh, they hadn't gotten to that point yet. And he did it and his motivations were different. But I was kind of thinking like. The, the writing is starting to get on the wall anyway. Well, even along those lines, this is the one area of the film that I'll just give them a pass on. But when the, okay, Lawrence Fishburne's character, okay, the mm -hmm. officer that mm -hmm. apparently has like 612 things wrong with him. Uh, so it's a lot. <laughs> like a lot Gus. of medical conditions. Gus. Yes. So yeah. shortly after he passed, yeah, shortly after he passes and they get his access chain or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. the reactor is about to melt down and they need to act that exact moment. So that just was pure timing. Like if those chain, if that chain of events didn't happen, the reactor would have just blown and they would have been dead. So like yeah. that happens pretty quick in this film. That's one of the things that I'm wondering if there is more that got cut to lead up to that or they're just like no we're jumping right into it so they sped it up right there to bring a little little more tension into the, the it does it does escalate quickly but you Very. can consider that uh the and and they kind of show it is that the the failure rate um is becoming <clears throat> exponential basically mm -hmm. and Which so woke him it, up. It, yeah it, right it's really like a causal relationship that yeah. he was woken up because it was getting so bad so yeah. it, you can yeah. kind of yeah yeah, it's also the 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 failures actually begin before even Chris Pratt wakes up. We see the cause of that, and it, it does, as you mentioned, escalate. So the the conflict, this kind of mechanical conflict, that's you know on top of the the moral conflict. I feel two ways about it, and I, I want to know if I'm I'm wrong or what, you know where I am. So on one hand, you need it because you need Chris Pratt to do Chris Pratt's character, Jim, to do something brave to kind of 
sacrifice himself in order to be redeemed, right? Like he needs to, to be willing to die and he technically does. He's um, also an engineer, by the way. Like, so it's set up for him to fix things. He left earth because yeah, they don't yeah. fix things. And here I am yeah. fixing things. Yeah, so he's, he's the right man for the job. And also yeah. he's willing to not only be, not only does he have the technical skills, he's also, we see at the end, kind of morally prepared to do the job, which requires risking and ultimately sacrificing himself. However, the fact that if he didn't wake Jennifer Lawrence's character, Aurora, up, she would have probably needed to be woken up anyway, feels a little cop-out-y. <laughs> it feels a little like a Oh, yeah. Um, it, well, I she probably wasn't the right person. She, to, I mean, mm-hmm. she's seemingly intelligent once you meet her, but if he was going through a passenger manifest to find uh, the A-team of problem solvers for this technical issue, I don't think she would have been in the top 10 people out of the 5,000, you know? It's the like, writer, yeah, the writer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wake up, yeah. engineers in... And in all, some of those 5,000 passengers were probably homestead employees that weren't crew just because they happened to be, you know, have a discounted ticket or something. It's like, maybe they know the secret way into the, 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 the bridge or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. find anybody that might know more than me. Wake up, yeah. Gus. <laughs> well, you can't wake up, Gus, right? Isn't Gus? No, I know. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he's in a separate area because he's crew. Yes. Yeah, that's why he couldn't. That's that was part of the thing too. There was another. For some reason, the crew was not accessible behind a giant steel door. But whatever, you know, we, we have. Yeah, yeah, we need these kind of. These the kind giant of steel door was also for the bridge. Yes, it was their protecting. Yeah, it was like yeah, their yeah. command ring or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I, I found that I. I I found that a little frustrating um, because it does it, it does kind of undercut the sin, uh, but you need it because <laughs> otherwise we're just living in sin, you know. We do only have two human characters aboard this giant ship for most of the movies, so you do yeah. need some catalyst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I just kept, so my comparison still, so KJ's comparison when we were talking about it, uh, was the various little sci-fi movies we did. We did um, the the one where the guy's in a little room and he doesn't know if he's dreaming or not. Uh, they made the movie for like $14. It's got a- <laughs> I need a little um, bit more. Uh, let's remember the guy was in a room and he's trying to get out. Remember there was- Who he was, was it? Trapped was in a room and he was trying to get out and he kept getting out and he realized he was still dreaming. And in the end, you don't know if he's still dreaming or not. It's I don't very, remember this movie, but I probably want. I, it sounds very familiar. Yeah, we had a big debate about is he still dreaming at the end. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It yeah. was like a B film. Yeah, it was very much a B film. I yeah. now know what you're talking. Yeah. It was like a prison. Was he part of this like underground exactly. movement? Mm-hmm. And the only one he yeah. could talk to is with a computer. Yeah. So it was. It was that, um, and KJ was interested in this movie because he's interested in these kind of smaller two-handers or, or limited cast size and that film like basically has one uh yeah has has one guy in it um i, I kept seeing this with solaris because solaris is a little bit like a person in isolation finds like you know who has committed a sin the main character has committed a sin um he finds uh his wife again in this extraterrestrial world who's died and whose death he feels responsible for. Um, 
And what I found kind of frustrating about that, that conflict, the conflict in this was in Solaris, there's, you know, this great concept from, from the Greek, aporia, an open hole, an opening, something that can't be resolved or stitched back together. Um, and Solaris allows those to be there and remain there in this relationship, that there isn't this, there isn't this comfort in, in, the, in the conflict. It's always kind of open. It's always sort of unresolved. And it, mm -hmm. the ease with which um, the, the ease with which the conflict allows Jim off the hook, I found a bit frustrating. Tom, I had to look it up because our mm -hmm. listening audience just has to know the movie was called Infinity Chamber, That's right, which Infinity. also released in 2016. However, <laughs> I think the box office may have been drastically different between yeah. the two of these films. <laughs> yeah, well, when, when you spend no money on marketing and $4 on the set, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> I have not... Um... I've never even heard of this. Well, that's because most people have. <laughs> yeah, that's, that just means you're a person. No, no, no worries. You'd have to seek it out. You'd have to seek yeah. it out. It's time for question four. When Aurora asks Jim what they are looking for as the ship is falling apart and Gus has finally died, what does Jim say? Locked in. Oh man. Cha-ching. <laughs> yeah, might have to go into uh, bonus questions here. Uh, locked in. All right, Andy, you locked in second. What do you have? I feel like I have low confidence about this, but he says something about um, like the, if, if something is that wrong with the ship, they're gonna know it when they see it. Okay, Nick, what do you have? He looks out into the abyss of things in the ship and says, something broken. Nick gets it. Oh, yes. we have a tie. Yes, I always something... love corny lines. So yeah, you, yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, what I did, I well purposely, yeah, well done. So we got a tie. I purposely avoided the number questions. There's a lot of numbers in this movie and I'm like, yeah. Ah, oh, you just have to memorize those. It's so easy, you know. So I, I you know, they're in my the notes too. Oh. On the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, and um, I wrote Avalon. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you could have had it. You could have had the episode. You would have had the episode. Oh no! Uh, but we had to go. But before, should we do I the? This stuff, it's my literally my first note. <laughs> Avalon, Homestead mm. too. <laughs> yeah. I don't quite get note taking. I think because I have a few paragraphs, and most people put notes oh mine um, is quite sparse <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I didn't know we were allowed uh crib sheets so i i never write anything down to oh. be fair to be fair this is in the episode notes so anyone can read my notes that's so. that's true yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah it's right yeah my notes always are kind of a script for <laughs> for reflection so they tend to be um uh, they tend not to be very helpful for, for anyone. Right. Um, less less fact-based. I just skip those. They, yeah. They, yeah. So I uh, want to mention now my, my word, redemption, um, and talk about the, the way redemption is pictured in this picture, this moving picture. Um, what did you guys think of it? What do you think of how, how it's shown in this 
in this movie. The plot lines it up so that it's it's plausible given everything that happened that he needs to do this. But it it's it's a really nice um, you know tie tie the thing in a bow that he gets to just go into the the belly of the fire and basically get get in in, in an inferno essentially and and gets get burned and kind of like yet make his way survive this inferno and and then almost get completely lost into space and for her to have to retrieve him for her to have to ultimately save him mm -hmm. um it it demonstrates both his willingness to sacrifice this the, the symbolism of the fire kind of he's going to be lost and he's kind of off and then and then it requires her to to it's so obvious that she wants him because she has to be the one to save him. I mean, maybe she would have saved him anyway and, and continue to hate him. You know, it's it's possible, but it's a very uh, convenient packaging for for like her turn back to him after he, you know, saves her, essentially. They save each other. Exactly. Her forgiveness is needed for her to want to go out there to bring him back and bring him into the med bay. So she had to really want that. Otherwise she could be like, finally got rid of that jerk. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah, not like he how. got what he got really, what he deserved. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like Andy. I use the term that there's like, he has to go into the inferno and he's like literally purged from the ship. Right. He goes, he goes into the fire yeah. and it, and it, he beats back the fire or gets rid of the fire. He gets, gets rid of the inferno. And then so he's, he's purged out his, he's physically purged out. Um, and then he gets to be brought back in. Um, and so, the, yeah, the that kind of I idea of like sin or redemption, I kind of, I was looking through, you know, different books about, about sin and whatnot. Um, and there's this kind of idea of like, what it is, is a state without love. And so it's kind of like his sin puts him into a place where he, he is no longer loved or he can't be loved by her. Which is interesting if you think about it in that way, because like that's kind of where he starts before he gets her. It's kind of like this, um, it's like he can't get out of that circumstance. And obviously there's something despicable by waking her up, but it's only through this kind of, you know, kind of facing the inferno or going through the inferno and, and not being killed by it that he's able to, you know, that he's able to return to her or that she's able to then accept him and bring him back to life. That's I, wanted to, what happens. I wanted to bring this up during this part of the conversation. And I think, Andy, this may be why we thought this movie did it better with the whole lie to redemption. Mm -hmm. I like the line and dialogue that Gus had with Aurora when he knows, they both know what Jim did, okay? Right. And he explains how a drowning man will pull someone down with him. And he explains that Jim was in a bad place. Even when he talks to Jim, he's like, you were alone for over a year by yourself. And he's pretty much like, damn, <laughs> you know, like he's like, yeah. that must've been torture. So I like that they planted that seed of what that scenario could do to a sane person to mm -hmm. make you make such a harsh decision, not justifying it. It was never justified, but at least you saw a little bit more of all the pain and suffering Jim had alone on that ship that made him make such a drastic decision. And they were just little bits. They didn't harp on it, but they did address it. They very early on, I, I, I noticed this time 
right after she wakes up or he wakes her up put put the causality there um (laughs) he uh you know she's a little bit tired and and he says you should get some rest and she leaves after she had seen some of the stuff he had tried to do to to um fix the situation and she asked him how long he had been awake and then she's kind of getting into the elevator to go and get rest um and she says a year I, i don't know how you could have ever done that and he just has this look on his face because it's it's right after you know he he did what he did and she's she's saying it plainly right then like like i don't know how he did this and and the end result is that he, he couldn't be alone he it drove him crazy you know he almost walked um, out an airlock yeah yeah i have um two good bonus questions here do you want the um more serious question or do you want a little more tongue-in-cheek bonus question i will say both are challenging the Mm. one i have a chance of getting right (laughs) okay um, i'm curious to hear both i don't know okay you know i'll give you the question i think is better uh or i like it okay 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 um so you have both the possibility of getting two points so you you have to guess a number and names Number and names. A point for the number, a point for the names. It's time for a bonus question. How many Oscar nominees appeared in this film? Nominees. Nominees or winners. winners? Nominees or winners, you know. Winner presumes nominee. I'll say locked in. I'm locked in. Okay. Nick, what do you got? The number is five. What do you have, Andy? I was going to say three, though I immediately wish I would amend it to four, but I, I definitely don't know who five is. So Okay. I'm, um, I'm not going to give you the answer yet. I'll say I'm, three because it's uh, that's what I lock in with. Okay. I'm kind of curious what you guys each got with these numbers. So what did you have? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I just picked every person that I knew their name that showed up mm-hmm. on the screen at any time. Okay. okay. <laughs> so Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt, Martin Sheen, Lawrence Fishburne, and here's the hopefully the trick one, Andy Garcia. Okay. And what, who do you have, Andy? I forgot about Michael Sheehan, which I think he probably was nominated for uh for Frost Nixon or something like that. But I don't think Chris Pratt's been nominated or one that I know of. So I was gonna say uh J- Jennifer Lawrence. Um Lawrence Fishburne, I don't know what he would have been what he would have won, but he's had a long career, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and I was thinking Andy Garcia, but now Michael Michael Sheen makes a lot of sense. So um, I uh, that's why Did I wish I could lose? amend it four, but, <laughs> but, but that's why I said three. <laughs> Andy wins. It's three. Oh, it's three. It's three. It, it's three. Michael Sheen has not been nominated for an Oscar. Oh. Interesting. Neither has Chris Pratt. Um, I thought he would be for Frost Nixon or for the Queen, but yeah. Nope, no, I looked that up. Um, you can check my work if you like. <laughs> I won't. I, I honestly don't follow award shows, so I yeah, I, I, just, I, I I've stopped following them. But the yeah. the the but it was Andy Garcia, Lawrence Fishburne for What's Love Got to Do with It from the early nineties oh, when he played Ike Turner, and um, obviously Jennifer Lawrence who's had I think three of them by this point or something. So Andy locked in. Uh, wait, so Andy locked, locked in correctly. I, 
Yeah. He locked in correctly. Oh, so, wow. yeah, Andy's got it. Good job. Yeah. Good job. What, what, what was uh, Andy Garcia? Godfather Part 3. Uh, in 1990, he was nominated. I think Lawrence Fishman is 91, I think was the year after. Um, interesting. But so that was, so the reason why I brought this question, it was a tongue-in-cheek question just because I couldn't figure out what Andy Garcia, Oscar nominee, was doing in that last scene. <laughs> where I love just, it, though. I love I also love his luxurious beard. Yeah, he has such a captain, a captain beard going on. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Was he also in Hunger Games? No, I don't think so. Oh. By the way, I, I mean I, I do love science fiction, but I I think the Hunger Games movies, Tom, have are much better than they have any right to be. I oh, think really? they're okay. very enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. They have a ton of good actors. Philip Seymour Hoffman plays a great mm. part in some of them. Mm-hmm. There's they're great in the 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 way that they're filmed is um is uh, less fantastical. It's it's pretty thoughtful actually. Mm-hmm. I think. All right, yeah. I'll look at that. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to dip my tone to science fiction. It was something I never. I was always like a, a canon guy. I always like kind of like those, those types of books. Um, but I'm starting to do science fiction. I'm doing. Uh, I just read Neuromancer, and I oh. I also finished the 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 Dune books, or the first four of them, anyway. Oh, so whoa! I will, I will take you up on that, and at least look at the, uh, the the Hunger Game movies. Um, yeah. So, again, yeah. Um, so Andy Garcia, mysterious Cuban that he is, walks out onto the deck, and he sees that garden. Right. Um, prior to that, we see uh, Chris Pratt planting the tree in there. And I was wondering what you guys thought of the the that. Um, Kind of garden imagery or or nature imagery that was slowly coming up, but then at the very end, it, it ends in this kind of garden scene. I was wondering what you guys thought of that. Are we talking like Adam and Eve here in the garden? Maybe go go yeah, where you yeah. want. Yeah. Well, no, I I kind of had that subtle vibe. They didn't do a lot of religious iconography or anything mm-hmm. like that in this film, but whenever there's one man and one woman. And mm-hmm. the future of, you know, other humanity is based on them being mm-hmm. successful. And in this case, it's successful together. Their children are the people who are making it to Homestead too. That's as far mm-hmm. as I get, you know, but I, but I did feel like that was, they made it their own. For, Garden of Eden is supposed to be a paradise. They made it their own paradise. That's mm-hmm. what I would say. Make it more homey, make it more like what earth used to be. Mm-hmm. and what they were hoping they would then be able to develop in the new world. And I think that was actually a wonderful way for these people to come out so they could not forget where they came from and bring that with them where they're starting all over again. I just, in, in this discussion, I realized that there was nothing really, well, nothing stated at least, preventing them from actually having kids. I mean, it would have been, you know, an interesting situation with medicine and stuff like that, but... Uh, but they could have actually continued their and had progeny, you know, in addition to their their animals and the robots uh, um, doing the gardening at the end. I had that same um, thought after this watch, Andy. You're not alone on that one. Like for movie purposes, I guess they just wanted to wrap it up so that you know these yeah, people yeah. have more of a mystery of how it happened. But I thought the same thing too. There was nothing that said, "Oh, in order to travel through interstellar travel, you're you, you can't have kids anymore" or something like that. They yeah. didn't have anything like that i don't like i totally get the the garden of eden uh parallel but coming from um like a 
a less religious perspective. One thing about the movie that's kind of frustrating is how it's, it's, it's almost like a, um, a little treatise on how cold technology is. I mean, the technology is, is their lifeboat in this case and, and has this cool shield and the, and it's very smart technology, honestly. They, it's like some sort the of arc, reactor. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the, it knows how to steer around things and protect itself and it knows how to repair almost everything. It's the computers and the, I'm a software engineer. So it's like mm-hmm. that, that software and the computers are really sophisticated. And um, uh, what's his, Arthur is the name of the bartender. Is his name mm-hmm. Arthur? Yeah. Which is funny given your, your talk about uh, um, no, yeah. King Arthur and mm-hmm. Avalon. I, I kind of, <laughs> I realized that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the technology is, is a bit of a failure. They go to the help desk. The help desk is incredibly stupid and not, not helpful. They make this call. The call is going to take 35 years. Like none of the technology, even for how sleek and sophisticated it is, really can help them with their problem. It's a, it's, it's a massive failure. And then at the end, um, when he's planting the initial tree, they, he asks, they ask him what he's doing. And he said, I'm making, I'm making improvements. Mm-hmm. And what he ended up doing is that at the end, that garden scene just looks so luxurious and, and organic and, and life, life affirming, you know, like instead of the cold ship, it was just teeming with life. There are birds flying around. Even the robots are carrying uh, boxes of tomatoes and stuff that, that grew in the garden. And it was like um, how, to, how to give more uh, life and more warmth to the, to the cold technology almost. Not just the cold technology, but the sterile environment of space. So you have like yeah, a yeah. double layer there. So you're absolutely, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Like you're, you're, you're in it and you're surrounded by it. So I agree. Yeah. I, I, I also agree with the idea of like, I don't, I don't really like that kind of nature technology binary. Um, they sort of work together better than they, they, they should be thought of as separate things. Um, yeah, and so, yeah. you know, for, for nature to be, to kind of come in and quote unquote fix things is, yeah, it is a little bit frustrating. I, I what I found interesting was, of course, I, I you know, the, your mind goes to the kind of edonic thing, right? That, like you were saying, Nick, it's like, it's pretty damn obvious. And you also have the tree, the one tree of, uh, you know, of that, that from which sin came from, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I just, I found it interesting that it was like, that it was a garden that comes after redemption. So it's kind of inverted from normally, it's normally sin casts you out. Here it's, you know, um, you're, you've been cast out already and it's kind of your way, your way of making it back. Um, I took it as a rebirth, Tom. Like, yeah, even in that, the yeah. pod. Mm-hmm. Cause you had to go through like every emergency technique to bring him back to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a rebirth. And once he's able to die, he's also, it's, it's that he's reborn. He's reborn kind of clean, so to speak. And they're able to go back in, right? You're able to get back to the garden. Um, but I really like that point you bring up, Andy, about like, c- come on, guys, you know, like this is this is this is an amazing ship, and this is a tree, you know, it's a tomato. Yeah. <laughs> Who <laughs> planted a, a tree on my ship? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the tree, the tree was nice for the people. It's nice to look at it, but it, it didn't solve any of the issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. It was just, you know. Um, those those kind of binaries also do frustrate me as well, uh, and and I am not a software engineer or anywhere near it. <laughs> it's time for 
movie rant. I um I had you know that I feel like the the reception to this movie is a little polarizing. I think some people it doesn't have a great rating, but it's a almost like a a fun guilty pleasure that I I see through some of the the flaws in it and and enjoy it. And um, but one of the uh, kind of maybe uh, criticisms is that the it was a different movie than people thought it was going to be. It didn't, you know, through the trailer and stuff, people didn't really know what they were getting into a bit. But I, I heard um, one fun thing would be if you kind of were, if they had filmed it in the other order or, or edited it the other way. So what if you started with the end and you had their relationship um, budding as she awoke and, and, uh, and you have the montage and, and he's getting to where he's like trying to fix the things. And like through a series of flashbacks or something, you go back and see him go crazy and see him wake her up and it becomes much more almost like a, a thriller, mm-hmm. a little bit of a, a horror movie vibe in that you're discovering that, that this terrible secret after the fact, uh, along with her kind of, instead of just being on board and thinking, well, he, he was so conflicted and he tried not to do it and you're kind of bought into it already. But to find out after the fact would be much more shocking. So I, I like uh, thinking about what other movie that might have been. Yeah, Passengers, you, the Andy cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer Lawrence waking up. KJ mentioned something like that too, where it's like you you, you find out that's the big reveal is that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You take the dramatic <laughs> irony out, yeah. I think somebody might have uh, filmed a um, like a fake trailer for the mm-hmm. that alternate movie. I, I might have on on Reddit or somewhere seen that. Yeah. Yeah, that that might be the better movie. (laughs) (laughs) It would be be interesting. It would be interesting to see, yeah. I'd like to once again congratulate our winner of the week, which is Andy. Uh, You definitely definitely deserved it. You got me. Yes. I only need to watch it like half a dozen more times, you know? It was close, but Andy Garcia ruins everything. That's the more. Apparently. (laughs) Oh, he's my namesake, so I had to... You had, to know, you had to recognize them, yeah. Apparently, not all top box office people are um, awarded by or nominated by the Academy. So, <laughs> <laughs> different topic. <laughs> yes, yes. Check out our website, talkingpicturestrivia.com, for more information about us and our episodes. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts as well as our YouTube channel. We are extremely grateful for any positive reviews as those help others like you find us. If you like what you hear, remember to like and subscribe to our show. What's the loneliest you've ever felt and why? Wait, you know what? Let's get a happier question. Did you ever fall in love while on a trip and when? Let's continue the conversation on Twitter at Talking Studios. Have additional thoughts? Email us at talkingpicturestrivia at gmail.com or give us a call at 201-467-8679 for a chance to be featured on one of our future From the Listeners episodes. Thanks again, Andy, for joining us today. Where can people find you? Just in Philadelphia. Fair enough. He's, he's everywhere in Philadelphia. At all That's times. That's right. You never know mm-hmm. where I am. <laughs> uh, people can find me on Twitter at ThomasLayman15. Come to B-Side. Uh, Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side is our sister podcast. Uh, the last one we did was, I think, a week ago or so. And there'll be, there'll be more coming out. In those, we just dive into the movies uh, a little deeper. Um, so check it out, Talking Pictures Trivia, B-Side. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nickname. Join us next time for Talking Trivia Trivia, 
where we take a break from looking at just one movie and actually do movie trivia from a variety of movies. Stay tuned for a sample trivia question. Ding, 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 ding. The Pirate's Code is actually more of a what? Pat. Uh, it's more of a guideline? More of a guideline? That is exactly yes. the quote. Yes. So the first point will go to Pat. I do want to be clear. I have not seen this movie in 10 years. I'm pretty sure I saw it on. I, this was an airplane movie. I think this was definitely. I saw it. I remember seeing it in the theaters once and i think it was an airplane movie that sounds about right <laughs> i don't know when I'm, i think i saw it in college so 2004 i think was i think i saw it but i don't remember it was i have a vague memory of being very very far into a very long flight to hong kong <laughs> and, being out and, and having watched the entirety of the lord of the rings and still having four hours <laughs> oh I my think gosh hmm. i have a distinct memory of putting it in a red envelope and dropping it in a mailbox so wow <laughs> old school oh. netflix yeah 